Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. This is my NPR voice, but I am not on NPR like our friend Chris Houston. Um, but this is how we're going to move forward. Uh, I am Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode one. Checking in. Checking in. Whew, breath of fresh air, if I if I do say so myself. Pretty awesome. I have a lot of positive things to say. Uh, wow. And obviously we have so much to get into. Um, before we begin, uh, let's get, I mean, we got to have our traditional, what are you drinking this evening? I've got three drinks right now. Oh my God. Because <laughs> we're watching the baseball game. I have a LaCroix uh, sparkling water to hydrate. I have a stag beer that I'm about halfway done with, and then I've got a little uh, Riger's uh, whiskey neat. What do you have? Bourbon and cider. Yeah, it is, boy. Yeah. We're back. Excellent. And we're back. We are back, and of course... Cheers. Cheers to the show and to the premiere, and to everybody listening. Thank you guys all for listening. We want to remind you, of course, that as the season continues, we love to make our conversations and our theories and all that very public and have everyone be involved. So, we encourage you to email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com with questions and comments. Hit us up at Facebook, or on Facebook, and um, you can always reach out to us on Twitter, too, and we'll tell you more about that at the end of the show where you can reach us. But um, if you're just joining us for... The new season of American Horror Story Hotel. We're excited to have you here and absolutely psyched to uh, to get talking about things immediately. So, without further ado, um, unless you have something else you want to say, let's go ahead and dive in. Only thing I was going to say is welcome back to all our old listeners, too, who have been with us for the past four years. That's all right. You had, or That is Three right. Years. Four years. Four, four years. years. Yeah, because this is the fifth season, and of course, we, we didn't do this the first season. We've we debated going back and doing Murder House at some point, and I just still think that would be fun, but... Um, maybe yeah. we'll do it. This is our our fourth year doing the podcast, and we're happy to have you guys with us still. So checking in, um, let's talk about the the opening scene, of course. Um, two uh, Swedish it, models. Two Swedish. <laughs> initial, just every. I want to hear all your first impressions. Uh, I liked that it wasn't. Uh, initially, I was like, okay, here we go. Here's the opening sequence that we're always used to with American Horror Story. If we remember back to season one, there was always some storyline with uh, uh, um, the, in Murder House where there was someone exposed to the supernatural murderous forces that were happening there. So I was, I was expecting that in this one. But... What I wasn't uh, expecting was to see an unfamiliar face because I feel like we usually like we've seen Adam Levine, um, what's the, Channing Tatum's wife uh, in Asylum. So it was interesting to see two people who I don't know. I'm sure some of our listeners will be like, "Oh, the, these are these two famous people." But I was really excited to see what was going to happen. That being said, did you not expect them to die? I mean, we of course we did, right? Of course. Oh yeah. Um, it seems like. Uh, you know, I hard, kind of looking back to murder. Do you remember how Murder House opens? The very yes. first episode with the but two twins going into the house and dying in the house. The the ginger boys, right? Right. Um, 
I got the, somehow like the the minute this started, I kind of got a similar feeling from it. That's a good. Uh, actually, the two twins and these women looked kind of like twins. Yeah, might be I, a throwback. I, there was a lot of things that felt like a throwback, um, and I'll be mm-hmm. excited to, to talk about those as we go on. But yeah, I want to say that immediately, like the the thing that I immediately got hit with was just how vast and um, amazing the set is. And I, think I was going to say we saw we saw quite the budget increase. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like that's something we're going to be complimenting all season long. Just like how intricate and, and ridiculous this. Totally. The set is also all like the one thing that I noticed throughout is that like all these crazy angles that are very American Horror Story prototypical, but like a lot of fisheye lens, a lot of like putting the camera in like a really bizarre angle, um, like at, at people's feet or up in the corner of a room, stuff R- like that. Really, uh, Alfonso Gomez Rejon, who we've seen do a lot of directing, even though he didn't direct this episode, I feel like it was very. It reminded me of his. Uh, his uh, perspective, his style, kind of. Who mm-hmm. did direct this episode? I didn't see. It, it was Ryan Murphy. Ryan okay. Murphy directed this, and then it was also written by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. Oh, awesome. Okay, so he did direct the first one here. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I that made me think of immediately when we're talking about looking through that kind of fisheye lens is the credit sequence. So, um, first of all, I mean, I feel like that's a, a good place to start before we dive into really what happens kind of in the opening scene. What was it? What, did you? What do you think about this credit sequence compared to past credit sequences? Uh, well, I would say I definitely I'm scared of beds now because <laughs> there's quite a lot of things crawling out of beds, uh, getting pulled into beds. Very reminiscent of Johnny Depp in um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, mm-hmm. where he gets pulled into his bed from Freddy Krueger by Freddy Krueger and murdered. And it, amazing sequence. I think that's Johnny Depp's first film ever, actually. But uh, uh, it, I was trying to listen to the – I don't know if you picked up on this too, but every season there's a little bit different of, uh, um, of sounds used in the, in, the, uh, in the opening sequence credits. And this one was a little different too, and I liked it. It, w- it was cool. I liked the, the use of the uh, fish, fisheye um, peephole that you look through in hotel rooms uh, to check out into the hallway. That was pretty cool. Um, I, I want to see it uh, again. I've only seen it once, so I would like to see it one or two more times just to kind of get more of a, a feel for it. But I like it. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm not ready to compare it yet to previous seasons, but uh, I'm curious what you thought. I always love the credit sequences, and I don't know that there, there's been a bad one particularly yet. I've kind of enjoyed them all. I agree. Um, but I think a couple things that you mentioned um, – Talking a little bit more in detail, I think that they, you know, we kind of get that old, you know, monster under the bed trip a little bit with mm. all these creatures in beds. Um, so I kind of like how they, you know, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk kind of always take the creatures of nightmares, so to speak, and, and um, even like children's nightmares and kind of turn them into reality. And I feel mm-hmm. like we've got a little bit of a, a, st- a weird vibe going on with the kids in this like you know in one particular scene we'll talk about in a bit that i felt was uh willy wonka-esque i'll go ahead and say and the other part the peephole thing you were talking about um is really an interesting effect and you kind of get this like voyeur feel like you're peering in on somebody else's personal business um and seeing like these horrible things happening yeah but from like a perspective where like you can't do anything you're like watching from afar and that's the feeling I got also in the opening sequence and throughout the whole rest of the show when we had this fisheye lens. It's like we're looking through the peephole watching these people. Which I thought was a very cool effect. Absolutely, yeah. 
And so we have these Swedish tourists checking into the hotel. And we see these beautiful sets. There's a lot of red, I would say, abundant red, which is kind of an ongoing theme I feel like we see in a lot of seasons. Agreed. The The color scheme of red is, is appropriately used for certain um, um, significance depending on what season it is, I think. It is, but I think that it also has particular significance in terms of haunted hotels. Um, the word that came immediately into my head would be red rum and the red carpeted... Um, lobby of the Overlook Hotel and the big ballroom and everything. Also, I will point out that their carpet in the hotel lobby looks a lot like the carpet in the halls of the Overlook with like the hexagons. Oh, you know, I gotta check that. Yeah, that's awesome. We got a lot, yeah, I was saying we got a lot of, uh, of The Shining, um, Kubrick's uh, The Shining uh, references right off the bat. <laughs> and I could not be more thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> So that was awesome. The first, um, I guess, what we would call main character we end up meeting, obviously, is Iris, Kathy Bates' character, at the front desk. Um, she kind of strikes us immediately as a grumpy person, um, but not a particularly happy person. She's clearly a resident of the hotel, and later we meet her son, Donovan, who is the reason she's at the hotel. Uh, and we kind of get a feeling that maybe she wasn't always that way. Uh, what were you know? We saw her. We've seen Kathy Bates in a few different iterations now in American Horror Story. What's your take so far on Iris as a character? Uh, terrible customer service. Doesn't <laughs> do her job very well. Obviously, later we find that maybe she didn't choose this job particularly. Um, but it's it's uh, she's. It'll be interesting to see how her character plays out. She's clearly very privy to the ongoings of the hotel, as we learn. Um, not that she agrees with it, but she also falls in line with her in the hierarchy of what her position is. Um, I mean, so far, so good with Kathy Bates. I, I'm curious to see how Iris plays out. She does seem like she has a bit of a conscience, so we may see her battle some of the more evil uh, entities uh, down the line or, or succumb to them. Um, as the as the show as the season progresses, but so far so good. I love Kathy Bates. I'm 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 always stoked to see hers, and she's great. What do you think? I think that you're absolutely right. And characters that have kind of a dic- uh, dichotomy to them are, are you know American Horror Story staple. But um, I have a feeling we're going to see some characters in this season that are a little bit more straight out evil than maybe we've seen in past seasons. Excellent. Um, which I I don't mind. I think that you know I think sometimes we complained about you know how they've made you know twisty a little bit too sympathetic although that was like obviously that was heartbreaking and everything like that but to some degree i think we just wanted twisty to be pure evil yeah um, and they killed him too soon (laughs) totally totally um yeah so i think that um she i think you're right i think that maybe her conscious conscience will come into play uh a little bit later on now we also see some characters that are just kind of hinted at here um, without being really explained yet when the girls are you know led to their room and then kind of wandering especially the one girl looking for her ice bucket the first one is of course Mayor Winningham as the maid um, now I want to remind everybody that her character um, is a maid from the 1930s so uh, she was the laundress in the hotel at the time that the hotel Cortez I guess was first established or at least that it was first bought by Evan Peters character who we haven't seen yet right. who was a serial killer so, um, you know, you get the sense that time is a little bit stretched within the hotel, um, which is Agreed. also, I mean, 
that's similar to The Shining as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, um, people stick around after they die is what I'm getting the the vibe of, especially by the end of this episode. Uh, totally. And she's, you know, she's cleaning blood out of a... Sheet? Out of a sheet or something like that. Um, you get the feeling that something she probably does pretty regularly. And then, <laughs> of course, we see the first creepy kid at the end of a hall, uh, which Hello, is... Hello, Shining. Classic, yeah, classic imagery there. Um... <coughs> And then we also kind of see the first hint of the Countess, which is like the the clawed hand reaching out toward the hair when the girl's at the ice machine, the Swedish girl, yeah. Yeah, and then she disappears. So I guess that was just kind of hinting at the, you know, Lady Gaga to come. Mm Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So let's then talk about that bizarre creature that busts out of the bed when they pull it open. The hell? Like... It wouldn't be American Horror Story if there wasn't some weird deformed creature coming out doing something. I said, is it a golem? Is it a rasper? Is it a golem? Or a... <laughs> it's, a, it's both. If they hooked up. Uh, it was, yeah, some bald, creepy thing that's been sewn into the bed. Um, I guess we can imagine it's undead. The girls are, like, freaked out about it, but not nearly as freaked out as they should be about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It cuts pretty quickly away, and obviously we assume that they run downstairs like, what is that we're calling the police? Right, and I also want to have a quick side comment that in 2015, it's a little bit hard for me to believe that two women who are coming, two young women who are coming from far away, who planned this whole trip, didn't realize that their hotel was not particularly close to the destinations they wanted to be close to. Come on, there, Yeah, there, there are a few issues that happen in this first episode. I'm like, okay, it's 2015. <laughs> this, I know we're supposed to suspend uh, belief, disbelief, uh, and yet I'm still struggling with a few of the choices that are made by some of the characters. So we'll say that's me nitpicking. That's us nitpicking. Yes. But, you know, you got to nitpick because actually I think this episode was awesome. So there's not a whole lot that I can really complain oh, yeah. about. So I mean, we're, she's, she's like, stretching she's, the one girl is like, yeah, I'm going to give this a bad Yelp review. Did you not read any of the other Yelp reviews? Are they all glowing? Oh, yeah. TripAdvisor. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so um, they go and get put in room 64, which... I guess is kind of our room 217 here a little bit. Uh, sounds, I mean, in the short time that takes place in this episode, a number of creepy things happen in this room. Uh, it's a room that, interestingly, um, Iris says they never rent out this room. Um, it seems like maybe it's more like bestowed upon people. Like it's a resume room that's reserved for people are going to kill or something at least that's what we see in the upcoming max greenfield scene right exactly clearly it's yeah they don't it's a special room and so obviously an hour elapses it seems like this room something about this room makes people uh fall asleep pretty easily considering she saw something pretty horrifying bust out of a bed yeah and then she my, walks into yeah i say my first instinct isn't to take a nap no i feel like uh, your blood pressure would be a little bit higher after that and a little right. your adrenaline would be going but she does and uh then of course finds her <coughs> her friend didn't die was she being like nibbled I, upon something yeah one of the little kids was like looked like it was sucking on her shoulder um like drinking her blood at first i was like oh god is this gaga but it was one of the kids yeah, so I thought it was like a cannibalism thing at first, and they were actually eating her, but it seems like it was more like that weird vampire-ish yeah. kind of thing going on. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I, you know, that kind of seemed... Oh, uh, there's clearly some kind of connection here about 
why I mean the a big mystery we're gonna have to try to figure out like why everyone is drinking blood, especially mm-hmm. the countess, and it seems like maybe she ends up like she has some kind of disease she gives other people or something. She has some ancient blood disease, which is what kind of we we talked about in the in the preview, right. And so we're not entirely sure what exactly this means, but... And if these little kids are her followers, or she's training them to be like her, or if they're they're infected with whatever she has, or whatnot. We'll we'll have to find out. And let's note that they're all super pale. Yeah. Um, Were they all all blonde? They all seem pretty blonde, except for Lachlan, who comes in at the end. I'm sure Um, he'll be blonde at some point. Yeah, seriously. Um, Yeah, but so then these two kids are feasting on, obviously, our, our Swedish girls. So then that's when we, not long after is when we get introduced to um, the Countess in quite a uh, interesting scene where um, her and Donovan, played by Matt Bomber, Bomer, Bomer. Um, get all uh, dressed up, I guess you would say, <laughs> done up to Dug- go pick up a couple at uh, the movies. While doing Hella Coke. Right, well, getting all drugged up so they can go pick up a couple and bring them back and at the drive-in, drink their blood. <laughs> Not even a drive-in; there were oh, yeah, cars. It was, like, it was like by the cemetery. Um, of yeah. course, they're watching, seeing the movie Nosferatu, which is yep. um, a movie about Dracula. Mm-hmm. So very fitting. Very fitting. I love that reference. That was great. I liked how they just kind of like made goo eyes, and I yeah. wonder if it made me wonder if is that it was that like, easy? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Is like maybe there is like in town. There's like a Everyone knows, like, oh, if you go to the drive or like if you go to the movie in the park and make eyes at somebody, that's where you find people to to swing hook with. up with. Yeah, exactly. It's like the secret swingers code or something. It's like the hanky code for the gays or something like that. Do you know what that is? I think you've told me about that before, but you should yeah. tell everybody who's listening. Well, I, I'm not very well versed in it, but apparently, when you and it's all on Wikipedia, but whatever color hanky uh, handkerchief you have. And whatever pocket you put it in, it signals whatever you're looking for. Uh, and I think it's a very, I think it's a very '90s uh, uh, gay culture reference, but I don't know. But now every time I see a hank- hanky in someone's pocket, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> well, they didn't even need hankies or anything like that. They just had to make um, kind of googly eyes at some people, and then you know, Gaga did the V to her lips, and mm-hmm. they brought him back. Um, I mean that 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 signal's pretty obvious. Yes, I think it was pretty clear at that point what was going to happen. And then we get a pretty graphic scene for Cable, really. Dude, oh my god, this there was so much nudity in this episode. I mean, we just have Gaga with the pasties and butts and everybody else all curled up together. Oh yeah. Of course. Okay, so did you see the murder coming? Like I figured it was going to happen cuz I knew that she was a uh blood drinker and i didn't know about matt bomer's character uh, donovan is it mm-hmm. so i i wasn't quite sure but i how it was gonna play out but i assumed that they were goners uh yeah i think it was pretty you, you kind of had a feeling that, that was coming yeah um i also like how she has a uh, a neon sign on our wall that says why are we not having sex right now i know <laughs> it, it's like a neon light one too <laughs> yeah um so they've got some like creepy Chain, yeah, these chainmail glove things with the razors for nails are, are pretty cr- I mean, creepy. I would cut myself so much if I wore one of those accidentally. I think they're probably pretty well practiced. At they, this yeah, point, that's but, a good point. Uh, <laughs> kind of old school. 
Yeah. They'd be wearing like chainmail. I bet that's pretty heavy. Gaga had to do some working out to be able to carry that around on her, on her arm. <laughs> um, we, we learn, of course, uh, later on that the Swedish girls are still alive and being held in weird neon cages. Um, and that they were planning to party. Um, and that's why they're being punished, it seems like. Well, actually, I don't think... Because they, had, they had some like um, pills or something like that in their bag and... and Apparently, Iris wants to punish them. Uh, at first, it just—it's not entirely clear why Iris is going to like. I—I I don't. Yeah. Put all this junk <laughs> in there. But then she mentioned something. She mentioned a line um, about how she was like she wanted them to taste better. So it made me think that maybe she's like they're like she's Cupping like fattening them, them up, for... or so that way the Countess can drink their blood, maybe. Or no, so. The thing that they're, they're putting stuff that has a lot of iron in there. Because, like, remember she mentions... That's right. Um, chicken liver, which I know chicken liver is really dense with iron, so maybe mm-hmm. that has something to do with the flavor of the blood. Or what or what Gaga needs for her condition. Yeah, so apparently she's going to, like, make them drink this crap out of a beer bong, which kind of looks like a... That, this was almost like a fraternity hazing exercise. Like, mm-hmm. putting all a bunch of nasty stuff in a blender and then making someone drink it out of a beer bong is what it made me think of. It made me think of, uh, like, uh, pumping uh, antibiotics and, and and supplements into our uh, meat, our cattle and our chickens and stuff like that, so yeah. they grow faster and taste better. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of a statement here about mm-hmm. <laughs> organic food. Um but then, of course, Sally comes in, and we had seen Sally before this, and I I have that uh, for us and to talk about later. Sally is um, uh, what's Sarah Paulson, Sarah Paulson's character, mm-hmm. yes, who was a character that is uh, very enigmatic, which Sarah Paulson always is. So I expected nothing less. She's but. she's already like one of my favorites in this uh, series or this season so far. She's great. I want to highlight a line that Iris says here, which is, uh, Sally is the beginning and end of all of her suffering. Yeah. Um, so let's t- make a mental note of that, and we'll come back to that at the end of this episode, where we kind of revisit what happened a while ago with all those characters. Um, but, it, yeah, so it sounds like they were, like, plumping up these Swedish girls or making their blood taste specifically, whatever. But Sally ends up letting one of the girls out of the room mm-hmm. just so she can run to the door and get her next slice by Gaga. Yeah, I do. You think that she knew that she wouldn't make it out, and that Gaga would find her, or did you think that she actually was trying to like let one of them go and get out of that hotel, knowing what knowing? I mean, initially what you thought, and then knowing at at the end after seeing what happened to Sally. I feel like she didn't expect her to get out of there to make free. it out. I almost felt like maybe she was conducting some kind of like weird social experiment to see if she would run away and leave her friend if mm. by only letting one of them out instead of both yeah. of them. Um, so I don't know that I, you know, I guess time will tell if she's more complicated than she is on the surface, but, well, she's certainly complicated, but I don't know that I would say at this point that she has a conscience or is good. Right. She just seems like a pretty effed up Person. She likes to play with a game of whatever her game is. Exactly. Um, pretty soon we see the realtor from Murder House make a reappearance. Holla! Um, so, throwback to that, we already have our first Murder House uh, reference, which is, of course, when the realtor brings in Will Drake, played by Cheyenne Jackson, and his son Lachlan, into the hotel to um, 
checks in the things out because apparently Drake they is just bought it. Tell. He just bought it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he's a big fashion guru of some kind. I think that the Countess gives him a compliment for a dress he made for Michelle Obama. I love um, that. That's funny. Also, like he's like he he wants to be he like he loves this hotel because of its character, its charm, which is completely lacking in New York now. And this charm and character will be the death of him. I have yeah. no doubt. I, I agree. Um, you know, they go up to the penthouse and find Donovan naked and asleep on the couch. <laughs> Donovan loves to be naked. He does. Um, I guess I have a feeling that's not the last we'll see of naked Donovan. Agreed. Uh, but he seems pretty pissed, but the Countess seems to have some kind of weird plan going on and is, of course, expecting them to show up. Um, also, what's up with this Lachlan kid? He's touching everything. I know. He's a little lock too old up, for that. Kid. Lachlan, yeah. Lachlan. Come on. Up. I mean, I guess we can suppose that, you know, uh, Mr. Drake is probably a pretty busy person with all his fashion endeavors and doesn't necessarily have time to be a good parent, so maybe right. he's just acting out because of that. Um, Didn't your the, nanny teach you better? Yeah. for <laughs> where, Where'd the nanny go? But, um, yeah, stupid son is touching everything, and then she takes him to see the secret room that she yeah. has, like, behind the... Immediately. Wall. Where they're playing, playing like some weird Tetris. Yeah, on giant wall screens, and then there's unlimited candy. And yeah, all the ki- and like the room is completely white, and all the kids are blonde and wearing old-fashioned clothes. Um, there's three of them. We find out too, right? Three kids: the boy, the other there's, boy, there's th- and the girl. Is there three or four? I thought maybe there was two girls, but maybe you're right. Maybe there's just three. I'd have well, to rewatch the scene. I'd have to rewatch too. Obviously, I mean, the one standout is. Which we'll talk about, I'm sure, is um, Holden. Yeah, Holden. Yeah. This felt very Willy Wonka to me. Oh, that room. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I mean, uh, Tim Burton Willy Wonka. I guess I would say <laughs> more specific, but I expected a Johnny Depp and big goggles to pop out somewhere, um, but in like a creepy alternate universe kind of way. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. It seems like maybe she is. Looks like they're kept kids. She's kidnapping kids and turning them into mini vampires. <laughs> it's it's American Horror Story. Lord knows what what's actually happening at this point. To be, I mean, to be fair, this is only the first episode, and of course they're going to introduce a million questions. So let's tack that up to, you know, we'll revisit our questions at the end. But what the hell's going on with these kids? In the- oh yeah. There are multiple times during this episode where things were happening, like, what, is, like, uh, no, stop, like, calm down. And I was like, oh, wait, no, it's American Horror Story. I hope they have a good, creepy, undead dentist at that hotel because those kids Ooh. are going to have hella cavities. So Iris says she's at the hotel so she can see Donovan every day. Um,. Why? So, you know, the immediate thought here is why is she so clingy? And then we get this flashback. Um, it's 1984. She's spying on Donovan as he enters the hotel or hotel um, with hypodermic Sally, obviously to buy drugs. Yeah. Uh, immediately what strikes you is that Donovan is um, way more grungy than yeah. he is now. Um, clearly, 90s. his, his time... Loving, lo- loving the Seattle grunge scene. Yeah, and his time in Favorite the hotel band has is made Pearl him. Jam. Or Nirvana. Or Nirvana, yeah. 
but his time with uh, the Countess has made him much more trendy. Yeah, so refined in a metrosexual way. Right. So he dies, I assume. He overdosed is what I'm understanding. That's what I kind of took from it, too. He overdosed. Iris freaks out, throws um, Sally out of a window. Right. And so this is obviously kind of the last thing we see in this episode. And what this leaves me with is the understanding that, similar to Murder House, this is a place where if you die there, you're kind of eternally stuck. stuck living there. Yes. And I maybe agree. that's going to be the end up being the connection between this hotel and Murder House somehow. Right. Is that they have this similar kind of curse put upon them. The other understanding I get is that Iris is not dead. Right. That's, that's why I'm understanding, you know, from what I understand when she says, you know, I'm here to see you every day, it's because he can't leave. But she wants to see him, so she has to work there. So she I, has I to agree. Be there. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I took too. Hence, yeah, because hence she's very uh, reluctant to do her job, right? And so, um, I'm assuming that. Well, I guess I'm not entirely sure who's dead and who's undead. Um, I guess we'll find out about Liz Taylor, who's another character that I want to talk about in a mm-hmm. minute. Um, but I also want to just point out that this. You know, Donovan died in room 64. So that room is clearly the, the room to die in. So now I want to start and talk about um, kind of what I'll call plotline B, which is Wes Bentley as Detective John Lowe. Um, he, you know, the first time we see him, he's coming across this pretty graphic murder scene in which this couple was super good having sex. Yeah, the girl was gored in the chest with a spear, and then the man has had his tongue and eyes cut Ripped out and are sitting in a tray, which is so nasty. Right. With their hands nailed to the headboard. Yeah, very biblical. Yeah. Um, and, of course, this is the Ten Commandments killer. I was going to say, that's one thing that we didn't mention in the in the uh, opening sequence or the opening uh, credits is there's a lot of uh, commandments that are flashed in uh, lights uh, throughout that so there, yeah there are a lot of biblical references uh, throughout this whole episode slash the opening credits exactly and we learn out that we learned that this couple of course also let's know that the man is still alive which is mm. even mm. grosser but um they were having an affair and so this is of right. course relating to the commandment against adultery right um and so it seems like maybe this serial killer has a strange kind of moral code um this almost Which, made me think of... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you, uh, the two things that made me think of was Seven. Seven was what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then also a little bit of um, uh, Saw. Trying to like help mm. someone change or fix themselves by really messing with them. Yeah, I think that guy's beyond fixing one now that his eyes have oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, been yeah, cut yeah. out. But yeah, I definitely see a reference there. And then, yeah, Seven, which is a movie, Seven, of course, in which totally. there's a serial killer that kills people. Um, based on the based seven on deadly sins, exactly. Starring Brad Pitt um, and um, Kevin Spacey. Kevin and uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. Morgan that's Freeman, a, right? Is he in there? I too? think you're right. I think he's, that's a David Fincher movie, isn't it? Is that one of his early ones? Um, anyway, yeah, great movie, and that's definitely what I felt like was uh, kind of the the allusion to here or the homage, but. Um, 
also yeah the guy was pumped full of like viagra or some kind of thing where like he's stuck inside the woman and so they said they had to use like they were gonna have to cut him out which is also just like overly oh, nasty graphic yeah, i don't need to also why would you leave the super glue like right i don't know i, I guess i mean it makes sense fine but Excuse like me. if you cared but it, for such a calculated uh crime scene just leave the super glue like lying right next to the bed i don't know uh, that's me was, being nitpicky that's me being nitpicky yes but it was all pretty it's a little yeah. convenient <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty nasty um and we kind of learned that low has maybe been following this killer for some time um he goes back to the office and kind of uh you know listens to an old transcript or like an old um, description of a different crime scene that seems like maybe he thinks was also committed by the ten commandments killer from what i can understand mm-hmm. um we learned a couple things about him while he's there he facetimes his daughter and reads uh, a little bit of little woman to her on the <laughs> phone so we kind of get the impression that maybe he's not home very often if he keeps that book at work he's right maybe like one of those people that's you know there's some issues at home job. for sure yes definitely home issues and also that you kind of got that feeling when you know his wife said she didn't want to talk to him on the phone um and then he he gets a call of course from the ten commandments killer who directs him to the hotel cortez and that's where we meet uh gabriel played by max greenfield from new girl and a very mm-hmm. different role than he yeah plays he, i i can still like see him schmidt in it though and i loved it he's so great i love <laughs> I, that guy i thought his costume was awesome oh <laughs> it was yeah hilarious and awesome and his like turned up nose attitude with his hair slicked back I'm like Ugh. and how he, he was bitching about the price being high yeah um so he goes into room 64 of course and uh shoots up mm-hmm. and proceeds to get raped by uh the weird like a drill. dildo drill bit guy which we had talked yeah. about in the preview episode this was going to be one of the serial killers here um that was just that was a bizarre gross thing yeah uh, kind of like rubber man but even a little bit obviously um yeah creepy it was like a mummy with a dildo for a dick i would say yeah i i i had issues with the scene it was pretty messed up but it was also i don't know we're already going to sexual assault <laughs> immediately oh yeah so that happened real quick real quick and also, like I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I like the buildup of Rubberman because it was, it was quite the buildup, and there was a lot of fear. And then when stuff happened, it was much more impactful. This one, I was like, uh, okay, now there's a psycho that's has a drill bit dildo, <laughs> raping. I'm assuming um, just a druggie, or I don't know if he's gay or not, but still, it was just, I don't know. It was a little. Uh, I didn't understand it. I hope to I hope to understand it in episodes to come, but it was a little much for me initially. And obviously there's a weird kind of thing happening here with Sally. Um, she calls dibs yeah. on him. So she, I, I, it made me wonder if everybody who is already dead there is like tasked with killing more people or... Right, which is um, a little reminiscent of Murder House. I think we're going to see a lot of parallels with that. Not that they needed to do that but there are a lot of dead people living there that are stuck there like we've talked about and have to do and and live their lives in certain ways um but this scene with sally asking uh max greenfield's character to say he uh, he loves her was just it's clearly a uh a uh um dive into her uh issues and i'm curious to see how those are going to play out and what we'll learn more about her yeah um probably some kind of uh messed up childhood boyfriend yeah. father 
intense loneliness. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, when she did the drugs with uh, Donovan, she, like, bounced after they did it. Like, it wasn't like she was looking for love. She was looking for high, her high and maybe, a, you know, hot dude to do it with. But Well, and assuming that he paid her for, for the, the drugs. Too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a bizarre scene, and yeah, a little bit of a look inside her subconscious. Although at this point, there's not enough to make any yeah. real conclusions it's, other than yeah, it's theorizing. We, yeah, we can't speculate too much because it's American Horror Story. Lord knows what it's going to be. Yeah, but clearly she's pretty fucked up, and there's yeah. something that happened in her past that, and obviously she has seen this crazy drill bit rapist before, yeah. and, and expected him to be there. So yeah. It's it, it's a little odd. Like, ah, oh, this one's mine. All right, call up uh, call up Joe. Tell him to put his dildo on, and you know I'm gonna go ask this guy to tell me if, to tell me if he loves me or not before he <laughs> dies. All right, Sally, we got it. We got you, girl. It was uh, it was a creepy scene. I'll give him that. But uh, then like the drill bit guy just kind of seemed to disappear in there. Like, is it a sexual thing? Or well, I don't understand. I mean, I assume it is. But, like, there wasn't any blood or anything after he left, no. so it made me wonder if it was, like, all in his mind or something. Agreed. You know? Yeah, it could be. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's some kind of, like, almost, like, hallucinogenic thing. I don't know. Um, but it was all very bizarre. Um, but, of course, then Lowe gets the call while he's still at work from the Ten Commandments to, like, tell him to go look in room 64. So that's where we finally kind of get the connection between Lowe and the Hotel Cortez. Um, he, he doesn't find anybody there, of course, when he goes to go search the room, um, except that Gabriel's underneath the bed. Like, yeah. I was saying, but he does take a nap, it looked like, because uh, yeah, why wouldn't because, he take a nap in room 64? Yeah, apparently that room is ideal for nap taking. Sounds amazing. I wish I had that uh, room 64 at my office at about 2.30, p.m. Yeah, and then you could just wake up to your dead child running around or oh yeah or your friend getting eaten in a bathroom yeah um, yeah or my so, friend just raped in the butt Ugh. yeah you know that sounds Terrible. like an ideal way to spend an afternoon um so he wakes up to see what i at the time just thought was his blonde cannibal was this blonde cannibal child but who appears to be his son holden who we learn later that he his son was kidnapped from a carnival of some kind yeah. at St. Monica. Right. The Monica, St. Monica, Santa Monica Pier. Um, and so obviously he's feeling some real residual guilt about losing Holden. <laughs> um, but he chases them through a bunch of different kind of hallways in this maze and obviously um, doesn't catch him. Um, let's take a moment to talk about what a terrible haircut Holden has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even before he was a minion of the Countess, I mean, why did they... Come on, cut his hair. Don't give him such a creepy haircut. It reminds me of, like, these celebrities who just let their kids' hair do whatever they want because it's cool and they're celebrities and they're rich and they can do what they want. Like a hippie thing. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. You know, exactly. They decide when to cut their hair. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, with that haircut, he deserved to be kidnapped. No, I'm not. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> I, I don't mean that. Um, but, he, you know, he appears to be okay. He's living in a video game room and eating candy. So Yeah. Sounds baller. Um, but we don't specifically know why he's targeted. But I think that 
Lo thinks that he's going a little crazy. So he goes home. Um, we get a little bit of the dynamic between him and his wife. She's a pediatrician. Um, she gives kind of a little bit of a short diatribe about anti-vaxxers, which I felt like they kind of slipped some politics in there, of which course, is also it's pretty American classic. Horror Story classic. Yep. Yeah. Um, and she runs out of there, and he takes his daughter to sushi. And, and she's worried about Chernobyl. <laughs> and she's having dreams. <laughs> she's, she's having... Yeah. She's weird. She's having dreams about her dead brother. Um, when she gets, when he gets, of course, the emergency text, who he thinks is from his wife, but it's actually the Ten Commandments killer, leads him to the house where the police are already in the scene, except they're not inside, so he runs inside with his gun, presumably to save his wife, because he thinks his wife is at this house, and this is the house she was doing treatment at. And um, we see another uh, murder scene. Of course, his wife is not one of the ones killed. It's two people we don't know. Um, did you catch what commandment this is supposed to be embodying? I'm trying to remember right now. So what did the scene look like? It was the two dead guys that had like their intestines pulled oh, out. Yeah. And I, each one was above a bed. I don't... I mean... I, I Intestines makes you think gluttony, but I don't know. But so that's, here's oh, the, that's, 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 that's seven deadly sins. sins. Yeah. So here's the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have... Uh, thou shalt, thou, excuse me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of thy lord... Of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Which is ironic here. Yeah. <laughs> um, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And then thou shalt not covet. Um, and that's like a three-parter. That's covet uh, neighbor's house, neighbor's wife, neighbor's possessions, whatever. So it's not entirely clear what... Yeah, we don't know. It's just two like really... like fit dudes that got their intestines pulled out yeah tore up those those perfect abs um and of course the daughter gets sneaks out of the car and sees all this which is kind of horrifying and um we learned that his wife wasn't even there it was like the ten commandments like, hacked into his phone somehow or something that's like that and so um but that's not even the reason that she doesn't want to see him anymore she like casts him away because he reminds her too much of their son who i wouldn't say that her him and the son looked too much alike the son was like an itty bitty no. blonde child yeah and he's like a ha handsome he looks like a mix between kind of john ham and toby Maguire. yeah a little bit a little bit i agree but uh she's basically kind of forcing or like wants him to move out to leave and so he in the namesake of this episode checks into the hotel cortez yeah of course uh we have Hotel California playing. I was waiting. I was curious if that was ever going to happen. I'm glad. I, it actually makes me really happy that they're putting a lot of these obvious uh, homages right up front. Mm -hmm. And of course, famous line from Hotel California is You're never checking out. Exactly. Well, you can check out at any time you like, but you but can you never leave. leave. Yeah. yeah. So, pretty fitting considering it seems like everybody uh, dies and is stuck here forever. Yeah. So that make that you know, that makes me curious. Like, who do you think is dead and who is alive? That was that's a great question. That was one I was thinking of too. <laughs> um, so I think Iris is alive. Yeah. Uh, I think Donovan is dead. I think Sally is dead. Um, I think the Countess. I don't know. She's a tricky one. We don't know enough about her yet. She might be alive. I think that the maid is dead. Yeah, totally. Because she was, I mean, she's from the 1930s. Of course yeah. she's dead. 
Um, I think the children. I think the heart. like they they might be like some weird undead kind of thing. You yeah, know? and that might yeah, be what yeah. the countess is too. Um, as for Liz Taylor, who is an awesome character Amazing. already. Dennis I, O'Hare. I have a feeling that we're going to be big fans of his, but I like that he, um, like when he kind of did the reading of Low in the Elevator. Mm-hmm. What exactly did he say? To... Something about his eyes. Oh, I think I wrote it down here. Sorry, hold on. No, yeah, it's fine. I, and she had like a like I love like the Egyptian kind of eye makeup they had on her. Oh, totally. oh yeah, she she said to him, "You lost something and are lost in time." So obviously, he lost something being his son. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he lost in time, meaning like he can't move past that day. Yeah. But now he's literally going to be lost in time because he's going to be stuck in kind of this weird portal of the past yeah. that is the Hotel Cortez. I think ultimately he'll... I mean, you're probably going to talk about this later, but like, I think ultimately he will help solve the mystery or expose some certain things, but I think it will be at the cost of his life being stuck in the hotel forever. Low, you mean? Low, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, well, as far as uh, Liz Taylor goes, I think he's alive. She's alive. I, she. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love the way she flicked her cigarette uh, when she told Kathy or Iris uh, in the flashback where the ATM was <laughs> so he could so so Iris could bribe him a little more it was great <laughs> that was awesome I loved it buy the maxi pads yeah <laughs> as he's flicking his or as she's flicking her cigarette it was so great I am going to say early MVP for Steen Sealer is going to be Liz Taylor absolutely and I I have a feeling that character might have a conscience as well. Yeah, conscience. I think so too. Conscience as well. So I, uh, yeah, I, I love that character. I'm super excited to see what what happens with him. And I think that that covers most of the people we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Max Greenfield, I don't think that's less we've seen of him um, because we do for see those him of gasp you, for air or something like that under the bed, right? Yeah. Or is it in the preview? I forgot. No, it was. It was. He's under. He's under um, the bed. He was under the bed, but then in the preview for next episode, we'll, we can kind of even talk about that a little bit now. He, I think we see him at a hospital or something, so I think he is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, other big characters that we haven't yet met, we don't haven't met Finn Wittrock's character, the male model. Right. Um, we haven't met Angela Bassett's character yet. We, of course, haven't met Evan Peters' old hotel proprietor yet. And Naomi um, Campbell, right? Oh yeah, Naomi Campbell. The I saw her in the preview for the upcoming season. She looks like she's going to have a great storyline. Yeah, um, and then Emma Roberts, of course. But I think we. Oh, and Lily Rabe is the other big oh, right, name right. person. Eileen Warnos. Right, um, but I'm pretty pleased with uh, the characters we met so far. Yeah, I love. And I'm excited. So I guess. Um, Reflecting now on this episode, mm-hmm. how do you feel after you've watched it? How do you feel about it compared to the past couple seasons? Where do you stand in terms of moving forward? So I, w- I was really excited about seeing this episode because I think I, I came into it thinking the, the, the slate has been wiped clean without Jessica Lang, which is a sad thing, but also a great thing. The what worries me... Um, is that we saw a lot of kind of what we've seen 
historically with American Horror Story, which is the uh, a lot of stuff happening, a lot of characters introduced immediately, and not a lot of build up to it. Um, when I specifically, this is funny because I was just watching um, last night the uh, Scream Queens. No, which but that was great, and I I saw a lot of people review that horribly, and I thought it was a great episode last night. Um, but it was uh, The Grudge 2, which reminds me also of like when someone dies in a place and uh, they're trapped there forever, which it's great initially for the first like 15, 20 minutes. And then it just, they keep like, when the kid was playing ball against the window and all of a sudden the, the body shows up on the window, it's like, okay, yeah, a little overkill. Like you, you gotta you gotta space it out a little bit more. Otherwise it's just gonna be, like boo scares the whole time so i hope that gets tempered a bit that was my only concern uh, initially as far as the storylines go i am all on board with everything because i know how what kind of wild ride we're going to be on um gaga it was, was my other uh concern going into it because i've only seen her music videos but she's pretty good so far like i i you know not not a she's no Jessica Lange or Kathy Bates or uh, Francis Conroy or uh, Angela Bassett or Sarah Paulson, <laughs> but she's 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 doing okay. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, if anything I'm just really excited. What are your thoughts on the first uh, on the opening to the season? My first and probably like most important assessment is that. I feel like we had a return to form in terms of, like, sincere, creepy shit. Right. Um, I feel like when, you know, in Coven and in Freak Show, our premiere episodes were... They were a lot of exposition, and that's not to say that this wasn't, but it was like... It, I would not say either one of those were particularly creepy. It felt like the entire... I don't know. I, I think that they did a good job of bringing the horror back to this... While still introducing all those, um, all those characters, and I think that the setting is going to be so much more conducive to the creepy stuff that's going to be happening as yeah. the show continues. So, super excited about that, and the tone seemed the tone seemed right, mm-hmm. um, which it, I feel like it had gotten a little bit too light the past mm. two seasons. Agreed, and so I felt like it. This felt like more familiar to uh, Murder House and Asylum, which I also really liked. We were G-chatting about this earlier, but you you had mentioned that fortunately because Scream Queens exists, that maybe it will, it will help remove some of the uh, silliness that we saw in Coven and um, Freak Show and, as you said, have a return to form of it being much more of a pure horror uh, anthology as opposed to a uh, ju- like uh, them trying to combine their, their the funny silly stuff that they like to do in Glee and the uh, more horror stuff that they uh, appreciated and the drama stuff that they would do in more like Nip Tuck or uh, American Horror Story. Now they can actually differentiate. Exactly. And I think that um, it's, yeah, I think, you know, there were no sharp-cutting like past... jabs at anyone in this one like they've had in the past two seasons. Uh, yeah, like witty I mean? one-liners and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. You know, it seems like the past two seasons have kind of had a split personality a little bit. Um, yeah. 
where they were trying to be multiple things at once. Um, where it was like there was too many jokes written into the script that I felt like diffused from a little bit the, the horror feel. And that's not to say that there weren't like funny moments. We just talked about, right. you know, Liz oh, totally. Taylor, you know, telling Kathy Bates about where she could find the ATM and flicking a cigarette. Like that. I love like, that. Like that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's more subtle, which in, unless kind of beat you over the head with it and I appreciate that more it's like it's less scream which is what scream queens is yep. and it's more um, yeah it's, it's just more of that creepy subtle tone which I absolutely appreciate so I I am very high on this first episode because of that in terms of your the other concerns you mentioned I understand what you're definitely saying about having too many storylines going on at once and just immediately because, it's tough well, and there's just so many different people killing people to take place. It's like, it, you know. We had like six people die in the first episode. I was like, what? We have a lot to learn about what people's motivations are. Yeah. But at least they're kind of all coming from the same place, so maybe they're going to be tied together in some way, which is interesting. And it seems like maybe this ep- this season, by hearkening back to Murder House a little bit, um, there will be more to tie things together. Yeah, I like that. And uh, in terms of Lady Gaga, I think they're using her really well so far. They're not like trying to give her, you know, huge long model dramatic monologues or anything, right, like a Jessica Lang style monologue. Yeah, exactly. Which would concern me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not even introduced to her till halfway through, and it's yeah. more in a visual. It, it feels like a music um, video. Yeah, it's more. This is yeah. perfect, in like a almost like visceral kind of way, which I think yeah is ideal. So I think they're using her very well and taking advantage of their actors properly yeah i'm excited to see a lot of the other characters come back um really absolutely loving liz taylor my favorite character probably so far um also really high on hypodermic sally and donovan actually i think is an awesome character i think yeah. he's like gonna be a bratty little... he'll be fun he'll be fun yeah yeah so I, I like that too um and i like iris too it's it's not as weird as the characters like you know, um, the bearded woman she played last season with that weird accent was not my favorite. So Too I much. think I already like Iris yeah. more, and I like that we see her motivations immediately and like have a very clear idea of like who she is as a person. Kind Agreed. Of. Um, still to be seen about you know um, we haven't really learned that much about Cheyenne Jackson's character Drake yet, so. Um, it'll be TBD. interesting more about him, but I kind of like where that's going. Uh, all sorts of creepy serial killers. Uh, in terms of Wes Bentley, I guess, um, seems like he's playing a strong, you know, the good kind of straight man role, the moral conscious of the story, which everyone seems to have. And um, he is believable in it, which I think is good. And also, you know, he's got to be harboring more dark secrets, I'm sure, that we will realize. Oh, for show, sure. As the show goes on. And we'll see what Chloe Sevigny brings out, too. Totally. And you know that, I mean, he's not going to stay at the hotel without them for that long. Whether they show up to visit or they come stay with him or one thing or another, um, he'll be there as well. So a lot of kids in this in this season. Yeah, but I would say, yeah, overall, um, what do you get I don't it? know. What do you rank I, it? Or what are we? how are we rating this? Well, we talked about yeah. Let's not do that. Drill bedillos, but I think that's that's a little too. Um, I feel like we should do it like happy. like Yelp stars or something because it's a hotel rating. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do yeah. Um, and if it gets five stars, it's like 
if it's a it's a five star hotel. Okay, so we'll yeah. just do like hotel ratings. So, okay, so based on everything you said, we kind of talked about our feelings already. So what, what rating would you give it? I give it uh, four stars. Uh, I only take a star off because uh, the uh, the service was kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and um, I wasn't very clear what the amenities were going to be. <laughs> but everything is very promising to me, having just checked in. Mm-hmm. What about you? Excellent points. Uh, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Ooh. Um, and I am notoriously a pretty low rater on things, but uh, I have high expectations. I had high expectations going into this, and I feel like... They're met so far. Know, uh, what I've seen so far is consistent with um, with my expectations. Uh, everything is very clean. Nice. Um, you know, every, all the all the uh, employees are very attentive. <laughs> Room service is so so. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> fresh clean towels. There is small bottles of shampoo in the shower. Although I'm going to go ahead and give it a four and a half. They clean the bloodstained sheets in the hallway. Really? Come on now. You know, maybe in the 30s, that was the thing that's to do. They, that's true. That's true. Also, how are you going to scare somebody if you're in the room with <laughs> yeah. the door locked? There, yeah, when uh, when Max Greenfield's character was checking into the hotel and he saw the weird stuff going down the hallway, he's like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, he walks right by her cleaning uh, up Why the would you not be like... Mm-hmm. Liz Taylor's like changing a light bulb on a ladder or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, and like dancing. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, mm, maybe not for me. Uh, he just wanted a dark room to shoot up in, so yeah. I don't think he, he, didn't he cared. All that much, yeah. So yeah, um, I think we talked a little bit about the preview for next time. The other thing I did want to note is I don't know if you saw this. It was uh, this was like a preview for all of the season. It wasn't just next yes, episode. Exactly. Did you see the Clown Man? I do not remember seeing the Clown Man. Uh, it looked it like twisty. twisty. It did. Oh lord. So I don't know if that was just a man wearing clown makeup. It looked like the actor who plays Twisty 2, which is yeah. John... Well, I don't remember his name. John Gruden. something. Huh? Gruden. It's not, it's not the <laughs> football coach that does Monday Night Football. John Carroll Lynch is his name. Oh, that's right. Um, it looked like John Carroll Lynch in clown makeup. So I don't know if that's a tie-in or not, or if I'm seeing things. But uh, we might get a clown again, which... Um, they're always maybe scary. They're, may, maybe they're going to try to tie in every single episode to this, or every single other season to this season, which I think would be really impressive if they do it successfully. But uh, yeah, I, overall, I'm excited to see where Love this it. goes. I'm so pumped. Um, great episode. I'm happy yeah. how it turned out. Preach. And I like that we're kind of referencing Seven a bit, too. Oh, yeah. That, that was something I hadn't necessarily expected, but it makes sense when you think about like a Ten Commandments killer. Absolutely. Love it. Um, it also yeah, so reminded me of in seven, um, um, the uh, God, I forget the the one where the guy has to have sex with the with the girl and he kills her because he puts a like a knife on his wiener. I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, yeah, that reminded me of the drill bit dildo. Yeah, a little bit. Well, um, then, when you mentioned like um, gluttony with like the guys who have their intestines out, that reminded me of the one in seven where he like they make, he makes the guy eat till his stomach eat explodes. A, yeah. Ugh. Good God. That's a gross movie, folks. That is but, a uh, gross movie. We recommend it highly. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, we would love to hear other people, you know, you guys' connections and insight and questions and everything. So, again, you can send them to thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and um, also uh, post them to our Facebook page. Um, you can follow us throughout the rest of the week as we continue to theorize and make poor jokes about things. Chris, <laughs> where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K, and also on Snapchat, the Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? Catch me on Twitter at tjmoss11. Well, folks, we are so happy to be back, Woo! and um, this is only episode one of thirteen, so. Yep. 12 more pieces to go. I think we're off to a great start. Welcome new um, people. Welcome back old people. Have a great week and uh, happy Onyx. Onyx.